it. Oh. Whoa. Feeling very musical after the Grammys. I didn't watch it. How were they? It was okay. Uh, it was okay. SZA won. Congratulations to her. You know, Taylor Congratulations. Swift. Yes. Taylor Swift cleaned up as expected. So she honestly is like ruling the world at this point. Truly. And Jay-Z uh, got like the like Dr. Dre Industry Award and then like made it like shouted out like his wife has gotten some of the like most Grammys of any female artist and uh, she's never won album of the year, which he thought was kind of strange. And then he said, you know, some people are going to feel like they were robbed tonight. Some people were robbed and some people don't even belong in the category. It's like, damn. Damn. Yeah. At least he said it on his own time. True. This is true. <laughs> um, so yeah, but yeah, we're feeling musical today. I don't blame you. But there's nothing musical about this ha- this place, but you know, gotta inject it somewhere. I feel like in your case, as long as I've known you, you've always been pretty musical regardless of the circumstance. So anything can be musical if you this put your true. mind to it. Honestly, if you're not living your life like high school musical, then what are you doing? Ashley and I would watch New Girl a lot. And she would always joke that I was going to be Jessica Day when I became a teacher. And the older I've gotten, the more I sing everything. And <laughs> I true. I just like start thinking every time I do that, I'm like, mm, turning into Jessica Day, which is worse terrible. things to be. There's worse things. Yeah. But this is Haunted or Hoax. And I'm Kristen. And I'm Jennifer. And we are doing a listener suggestion today from Michelle. She contacted us through facebook thank you for the suggestion if you ever have any other suggestions to anybody listening you can email us um through our website or instagram or facebook any of the social media it's you know sometimes it's hard coming up with places to talk about Mm -hmm. off the top of our heads but this is highlands ranch mansion in colorado and she actually i think lives near here maybe oh yeah I think that she said, yeah, we live near the Highlands Ranch Mansion in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, and said, I'd love to hear you investigate this property and let us know if it's haunted or hoax. Great podcast. Thank you. Neat. Um, And so we'll jump in and see. I have something in my mind as an answer, but maybe there'll be something in the history that will change that. (laughs) Honestly, I was doing my research and I was like, I don't really know what it could be, what could be, unless there's like another ghost horse. That would be my only guess at this point as to whatever entity is there, a ghost horse or two. Well, okay. So in my research, I saw that the main person that guests have reported seeing is the ghost of a girl who is purportedly Julia the daughter of Frank Kissler, who was a former owner. And she is supposedly in the upstairs bedroom and they also see her in the hallway. She's also been looking out the West bedroom window. Then there are other people that have reported that they heard the clock in the Great Hall chime, even though it's been broken for years. And then there's also been sobs heard in the otherwise vacant house. So... Mm. They didn't always, I guess, talk about their quote unquote haunting. That's never a good sign. No, they always emphasized 
researching the history to maintain accuracy and eliminate hearsay stories that they've accumulated over the years. Then a few years ago, they did a Spirits with the Spirits event, which is one once a week throughout October. Adults are invited to tour the mansion, enjoy a few beverages, and listen to experiences people have had. A volunteer that was interviewed for this article said, we're not telling you the place is haunted. We're simply going to share some of the most unexplained stories, the ones we couldn't come up with a reason for why things happened. Um, and you can kind of decide for yourself. And they said before, you know, that renovation 2010, the tour guides would be spread out throughout the house and guests would walk from room to room and the guide would tell them a story about the history of the place. One time the tour guide was giving the history of the solarium and they gave the short history presentation and then that group left and waiting for the next group the tour guide stood alone in the solarium and the woman was suddenly overwhelmed by the smell of rose perfume and as soon as it came it kind of went like it was like a gust of smelling the roses i guess cute yeah why isn't there a, is it there has to be a perfume that says like smell will stop and smell and it smells like roses if there's not then there should be copyright it trademark mm-hmm the this story was about to be told at last year's Spirits of the Spirit event, which I think this was like a 2016 article. One of the tour guides went to speak with someone outside. The woman outside told the tour guide that years ago, she had stood in the far corner of the solarium by herself and was overcome with the smell of rose perfume. Hmm. The... Staff thought the tour guide was talking to the same woman from before, but it turns out it was two different people that had two different experiences. And later that night, when the perfume story was told, another woman in another group made, like, she gasped. And she, at the end of the tour, told the staff that she lives across the street from the mansion and every once in a while will be engulfed with the smell of rose perfume in her house, but it leaves instantly. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe there's like a very big like, rose bush. That's what I was gonna say, fragrant rose bush somewhere <laughs> on the property that people just don't realize, and like it's a nice breeze comes through and it is enriching everybody's houses. There was a bunch of talk in this article about like the history of the mansion fading, and they're working to reconstruct the building, and uh, some of it has been permanently lost, which potentially could spark up paranormal happenings but then also gave me reason to think well that's probably maybe why they're kind of playing up the haunted ankle now Mm. to kind of raise more funds to kind of help fix up the place somebody who took a tour said their tour ended with a last walk upstairs accompanied by four members of the historical society we wanted to make certain the lights had been shut off when we had left the place in good order this meant walking along a long hallway to the haunted room where i guess julia is and then walking back down in total darkness uh they didn't see any or hear see anything or hear anything but as they turned to go downstairs a light apparently on its own volition came on in a small room 40 feet down the hall the person who did this tour said that the reactions were mixed but i was delighted so <laughs> I guess they were looking for something I saw. They're one of the an... ones that won't run away if something weird happens. Right. 
And then I saw in another experience article that they also saw lights pop on and they said, I guess the person who wrote the previous article was the husband of, no, it was two different people writing like two congruent like articles, one after the other. And this mm-hmm. woman was saying this exact experience happened to my husband as a teenager when helping shut down the mansion after an event. The lights popped on even after his and his him and his companions had turned them off. After the house was locked up and they were outside getting ready to leave, they saw an image of a girl in the upstairs bedroom window. Mm. So otherwise they uh they have like a Halloween community event on the lawns where they have candy and music and you know things for kids and stuff um no guests are allowed in the mansion during the event um but it's kind of decorated to be spooky scary and then one year the morning after the outdoor halloween event the staff were at the mansion to clean up a close friend of this of a staff member who volunteered for the event the night before joined the staff in the morning to help clean the friend has said she has the ability to see hear and talk to spirits And before they started cleaning up, everyone was upstairs in the sitting room talking. While the staff went downstairs to start cleaning up, the woman sat on the couch by herself. She closed her eyes and she rested her head on the back of the couch and she said she had a feeling someone was there. When she opened her eyes, she said there was a tall man standing in front of her knees. She said that according to to this woman named Susie Appleby, who was the historic programs coordinator, the woman said that the man put his hand out in front of her face and asked if she liked this his tattoo the woman looked at his hand and told him she could see his tattoo and like that he disappeared when the staff members came upstairs same came back upstairs in the sitting area the woman told the staff what had just happened appleby said it makes no sense it doesn't fit with our history or historical figures the woman told the staff that he's not a mansion spirit. He had hitchhiked with someone else uh, who had attended the Halloween event and waited around the mansion until he could show someone his tattoo and then disappeared. So I guess this place is like a good little pit stop for wayward spirits to kind of hang out for a little while until they can get something done and then they leave. All I can think about is those hitchhiking ghosts from the haunted mansion. Yeah. <laughs> The, the haunted the, the ride you mean yeah yeah the ones like that not no not this haunted mansion the no. the disney haunted. oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so i I'm, i mean i don't know you can take that with what you want um that's interesting yeah and then i saw another person who reported on the tour they really didn't get a lot they got a evp session um that got the name kevin and what are you doing here um which this person doesn't really like evps so i'm wondering if it was like a spirit box sort of thing which we're kind of on the same page i guess with Mm -hmm. you Somebody asked on this ghost tour if they had ever seen any ghost of animals and the tour guide said he hadn't but he had experienced things after death of his own pets and the person was like i want to shout me too but you know it wasn't the time or place (laughs) you know when you get that exciting like oh hey i've had that too and then you really realize like this is about the mansion ghost not my cat that passed away um sometimes it's hard to stay on topic true i mean (laughs) it's really hard for us truly (laughs) 
they also said that people were watching some videos of orbs, but staff told them that it was mostly probably dust particles swirled around by the natural currents of the house, which is really nice of them to not try to play it up mm-hmm. as something more than it is. Uh, at this event, they had three different psychics who had tarot card re- readings, but nothing really happened to them during this tour, this ghost tour. But then she said that they, when she was on the tour, they told a story about one of, I guess, the owners, John and his younger wife, Isabel. And apparently she was involved with two different men who had a altercation in at the downtown Brown Palace. Like she lived at the Highland Range Mansion, but these two men that she was having an affair with had like a fight downtown and it resulted in two deaths one shot and killed the other one and another innocent bystander during this altercation um and then there was a whole bunch of high profile trials and john i guess the owner of the house dumped isabel who ended up dying alone and destitute in new york oh geez so that was just like a i guess interesting story i don't think that the people who told the story on the tour were trying to imply that like john or either the murdered men or even isabel were haunting this place but maybe i guess like her bad energy of her deeds might uh provoke phenomena to happen i guess bad energy um but it was something that was interesting and something I wanted to know if it was true. <laughs> so um, I thought I'd mention that in case you found something in the history to support John Springer is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, if he was really like an owner, if him and his wife had actually divorced or there was murders or whatever. Um, like I, I, I said, I don't think that they're connected to like actually haunting the mansion but it was something interesting that i saw but other than that i really really couldn't find anything even on reddit about this place being super haunted by anything the only thing that kept coming up was julia frank kistler's daughter she appears in the upstairs bedroom uh window and she can also be seen in the hallway she's also the one that they think they hear sobbing but i don't know why nobody ever had a story of like she died horribly or she was sick or she was murdered or anything like that it's just that julia is probably the one that's haunting this place but there's no specific reason so i'm i'm at a loss as to why she would hang around and why she would be so sad about it hmm but those were my findings on this place. The only other thing that I found was this place called Spirit PI. They did an investigation and they had like this little teaser YouTube. Um, and they're like, you know, find more stuff on our website. But when I go to their website, it says like it's closed. Like to, it's like pri- it's been privatized. So like you can't just go in and see it. But I did look at their Facebook page and they had some pictures, if I can scroll down to it. They had some pictures from their experience there. 
They've also done the Stanley Hotel, which I know probably people are like, when are you going to do the Stanley Hotel to us? And the answer is we're holding out till we can hopefully go there. So <laughs> It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Just you wait here. Okay. This was from a 2009. And I'm just going to copy and paste the actual link. And there's like about four pictures. Yeah. So the first two pictures are kind of just blurry pictures. Like they say that it's like a fog or a mist or something, but I think it's just unfocused. The last one is like uh, the Spirit PI president, Kevin, uh, standing with his hand outreached. He put his hand out to take a photo with an unseen spirit thought to be a child after feeling the ghost tug on the back of his shirt. And then there's like a close up of the orb anomaly, which. It could be a bug. It could be dust. Like, you know, they said in the other article, you know, this is an old place. Uh, The currents of the house can kick up some dust for sure. But I thought it was interesting also that another person who had an experience with an EVP, they got the name Kevin. And these people have researched this place like multiple times. So maybe that could be something. But interesting. Yeah. But that's only like physical evidence I could find. Like I said, they had a YouTube video, but it was five minutes long. It was basically just introducing the team and then saying they got some stuff and then to go to their website, but their website was closed down. Bummer. Yeah. So Spirit PI, if you're listening to this, open up your website so I can look at your evidence. That's all I have. Well, I guess we can talk about what I found when we get back from the break. We'll be right back. Be right back. Oh, hi there. This is Kate. And I'm Dominic. And we are your hosts of Shitting Bricks, the podcast. Every week, we'll bring you an episode of What Makes People Shit Bricks. Is it a fear of death? Deep water? Running out of wine? Cannibalism? We take a warped look at these topics using examples from history that are the epitome of some scary shit. You can find us on all the regular podcast streaming services like Apple, Spotify, and Google. For exclusive content, including behind-the-scenes nuggets, links to weekly topics, and maybe even merch in the future, head to Shitting Bricks Podcast on Instagram and YouTube. But for now, drop your dax, pop a squat, and let's get into it. We're back. We are back. Okay. We'll just jump on in. You don't have to talk. You don't have to talk softly. Because... You're in my headphones. I will be talking softly because I have a sleeping baby in my lap. (laughs) (laughs) So the mansion goes back to 1884, which is pretty old. Mm -hmm. Samuel Allen Long filed for a homestead in Douglas County, which is where this mansion is. Did we say what city this is in? Michelle said it was in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Oh, it is in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Interesting. Okay. I, just went, I, I literally just took her word for it. <laughs> so she could have been lying to us about No, it, it is. It is. It's there. Okay, good. I don't think you're a liar, Michelle. No. Samuel served on the board of directors for the B&O, B&O Railroad, mm-hmm. which is the Baltimore and Ohio Railro- Railroad, which is the same railroad that's on the Monopoly board for the Monopoly fans out there. Oh. After making some profitable investments, he decided to move out to Colorado, which Good on him. I do the same. Honestly, everybody's moving to Colorado. Then now. (laughs) 
1891, he had built a stone farmhouse on the property and called it R Rotherwood. Rotherwood? I thought you were going to say rural. I was like, that's a hard word for me, too. Rotherwood. <laughs> After a childhood farm he was very fond of. You can oh. still see the word Rotherwood carved into the stone above the front entrance along with the year 1891 under an upstairs window. Wow, that's cool. Mm -hmm. So after several really good years for him, he sold the farm in 1893 to real estate agents, and they sold it in 1897 to John Springer. Okay. So John was a well-known speaker. Mm -hmm. uh, he had hopes of going into politics. He moved from Illinois to Denver in 1896 with his wife, Eliza, and he became very involved with local law and politics. Mm -hmm. He even conducted an unsuccessful campaign for mayor in 1904, which is apparently still known today as one of the most corrupt elections in Denver's history. Wow. So he was like a perfect politician. Yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't just lose the election. That year, his wife, Eliza, would also lose her battle with tuberculosis. Mm. And that happened just days after the final votes were counted. Yes. Oh, yeah. bad news on top of bad news. Yeah. John was passionate about show horses, and he began purchasing ranches south of Denver. He then consolidated all of the properties into his 12,000-acre Springer Cross Country Horse and Cattle Ranch. Wow. So he was like, you know what? Forget politics. I'm just going to buy a whole bunch of land and get gonna, some horses. Yeah, roll over a bunch of horses instead. Perfect. He remodeled the small farmhouse and added a living room and tore it. Mm -hmm. In 1907, he remarried a young woman named Isabel Patterson and renamed the home Castle Isabel. Wow, after her. Mm -hmm. To thank him for this, a few years later, she would become involved in a love triangle that would turn into a murder at Brown Palace Hotel in Denver in 1911. Okay, perfect. So it was real. Yep. Uh, he divorced her a few days after this. Of course. Saved no time and sold the ranch to his first father-in-law, Colonel William Hughes. So the father of his wife Eliza. had passed. Yeah. And after that, he just said nope to everything and left the public eye. Honestly, probably the best. Also, John Springer, more like Jerry Springer. Am I right? Truly. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've only been thinking about it for like the last 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So Colonel Hughes was very familiar with farming. He was born a farmer, grew up in Illinois on a farm, moved to Texas and became a sheep and cattle driver. And then he also founded the Con Continental Land and Cattle Company, which became one of the largest ranching conglomerates in the world. Mm. So he was like, you know what? 12,000 acres. I got it. Something pretty sweet. He had followed his daughter, Eliza, and her husband to Colorado when they got married and moved there, family had hoped that the mountain air would help with Eliza's tuberculosis. Uh, when he purchased the land from John, he changed the name to Sunland Ranch and continued to operate it as a working ranch. Mm. When he died in 1918, it was estimated that he was Colorado's second wealthiest man in the state. Wow. He left the ranch to his granddaughter, Annie, and there was a pretty cute relationship with him and Annie as well. 
Annie preferred to be called Clifton, which was her middle name. She was pretty much raised by her grandparents. When she turned 14, she inherited her mother's fortune when her mother passed. And her father signed guardianship over to her grandparents since she preferred to stay with them anyway. The reason she preferred to stay with them was apparently, you know, her father being so successful and being part of all these businesses, he was traveling a lot. So she didn't get to see him very much. Well, and she chose, she preferred to stay with her grandparents because they stayed in one place. Stability. Yeah. Yeah. They moved to St. Louis and they stayed there until she married in 1912. And then she moved back to Denver. Well, her grandparents couldn't handle the separation from her. So Uh they moved back to Denver to be with her and her husband. Mm, So sweet. They're so like, you know, such a close family. Yeah. I love it. Colonel Hughes purchased a large plot of land when they moved out there and built two homes, one for himself and his wife, and the other for Annie and her husband. So when Annie inherited the ranch, she held on to it for two years, and then she sold it to oil tycoon Waite Phillips. Waite. I just have to let you know, Waite had a twin brother. Okay. His name was Wyatt. Which one was planned and which one was a surprise? Like, which, which baby, what, he, obviously, they weren't expecting two. They were expecting one, and they had Wyatt. Oh, well, let me tell you time. how these names are spelled. Okay. Wait is spelled W-A-I-T-E. Okay. Wyatt is spelled W-I-A-T-E. Wow. I hate it, and I love it. <laughs> it's very convenient. <laughs> Just flip the vowels. Yeah. Anyway, so they were born 44. They were born on an Iowa farm. And when they turned 16, they traveled together to decide to, like, they decided to try and make their lives better. So they traveled thousands of miles. They were working, like, odd jobs along the way. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Wyatt died of a ruptured appendix along the way. Thanks. Which is so sad. Waite was devastated when that happened and he returned home. Yeah. When he got back home, he worked as an an accountant before moving to Oklahoma. And he entered the oil business with his two older brothers. They all founded the Phillips Petroleum Company. Insert some smart business moves here. And then he sold the oil company he founded for $25 million. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. That was in 1925. It was $25 million. That is equivalent to $400 million today. That's crazy. That is insane. So much money for Wade and his older brothers, Tate and Tate. (laughs) (laughs) The name Tate. (laughs) Tate. So he and his wife, Genevieve, were an extremely charitable couple, which I love. He made all this money and then he was like, let me do something good with it. Let's give it all back. So they donated their Tulsa home, Villa Philbrook, to the city to use as an art museum. And they donated their several thousand acre Philmont Ranch near Cimarron, New Mexico, to the Boy Scouts of America. Okay. He also owned several ranches in the Rocky Mountain region, and then he purchased Sunland Ranch from Annie Springer in 
Annie Springer Hughes in 1920. Okay. He combined it with other land purchases to create the Phillips Highland Ranch, mm-hmm. named after the Highland Hereford cattle okay. that he raised there. So he used the ranch as like a breeding location instead of it being like just like a horse ranch. It was horse and cattle. And he raised like very high grade horse and cattle. Okay. Although this was one of several homes owned by the Phillips family, they visited often. Hmm. There is a whimsical photograph taken of Waite's son, Elliot Waite Chope, sitting. The, the names of this family. Ah, man. I have to show you this picture, though. Sitting on top of a pony hmm. in the living room. Oh, wow. Okay. You know it. His son, Elliot, spelled E-L-L-Y-O-T-E. They were... No, it's not. (laughs) By the way. Stop it. (laughs) I looked at this photo and all I can think about is that bear just yelling that there's a horse standing on top of him. Like, I know that the bear is dead, but... Right, and the buffalo is like, what the fuck is going on here? (laughs) And all the fucking birds are like we're just there's just a bunch of dead animals and this horse is like i hope it works out better for me right i hope i'm not next (laughs) Uh, all right so after they sat on that horse for a while they owned the ranch for six years before they had too many commitments in oklahoma so they Mm -hmm. were forced to sell the ranch in 1926 okay frank kistler who was born in north carolina on a plantation in 1882 but he lived most of his life in arkansas actually okay he married florence hughes in 1903 let me tell you how much i had to dig for this information because i couldn't find it freaking anywhere okay during the early years of their marriage florence and frank lived in texas and they welcomed their son hughes born in 1907 and their daughters julia born in 1910 and Florence, born in 1916. In 1917, the Kistlers moved to Denver and had a third daughter, Frances. Gotcha. I don't know where the name Julia came from because Hughes was named after Florence's maiden name. Florence is obviously named after her mother. And Frances is obviously named after Frank. So Julia is just <laughs> like, that's a pretty name. Yeah. She's going to be her own person. Maybe that's why she was crying. <laughs> she, I don't namesake well maybe florence's middle name was julia we don't know maybe i don't know maybe no her middle name was marie damn sorry julia i was trying to (laughs) make it better for you (laughs) uh so frank also worked in oil he worked as an oil leaser for texaco wow super weird seeing that name so early because again we're in the early 1900s right and he formed the oil company called Arco, P-A-R-C-O, okay. in 1917. His, its headquarters were in Denver, so that's why the family ended up moving there. Its worth was estimated to be roughly $50 million just six years after he formed the company. Damn. So after he made all that money, he did what every rich person decides to do, and he... Thought he wanted to try his hand at ranching. Oh, perfect. Okay. What were you going to say? Buy land. 
Yes, buy land. Buy a farm. I'm not a millionaire, and I still want to go out and buy a farm. I don't, but I would come visit your farm. You can play with my chickens. (laughs) Okay, perfect. So he just decided to go all in when he decided he wanted to start try his hand at ranching, and he purchased that huge-ass ranch from Wait Phillips and renamed it Diamond K Ranch. Just leave the name alone at this point. (laughs) We're not done yet. Oh, God. (laughs) Focusing on breeding, he specialized in dare and Angus cattle, sheep, chicken, and hogs. So this actually went really well, and he and his wife and their four children became very integrated with Denver's high society. Okay. So you know what happens with that is when something scandalous happens, you become the topic of conversation. Of course. So in 1929, there was gossip that Frank was having an affair with a local widow in Denver in January. The divorce was filed January 29th. Wow. Uh, He remarried the widow two weeks later. Oh, right. Frank. In the divorce settlement, Florence Kistler received $25,000 cash. <laughs> what? Okay, whatever. <laughs> a monthly, wait, uh, it, it seems not uh, proportionate, but okay. Okay. She also received an, a monthly alimony payment of $2,500 for the rest of her life, and she also received an income from a $250,000 trust fund. The home in Denver, the Rainbow Ranch in Estes Park, and custody of the couple's three daughters. The children received monthly payments of $750 until marriage, and when their mother died, they inherited the remaining trust fund. Mm, okay, but still. Uh, yeah, considering he made $25 million, or $50 million, Yeah. Yeah. But I imagine the ranch, like the Rainbow Ranch in Estes Park, is probably worth a good amount, and the home in Denver. So... Right. Still not proportionate, but again, okay. Not nothing, but. I could not find anything on Julia. Florence and Francis were the two popular ones. They were very well-known horse girls. Equestrianists. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I kind of love a horse girl. I I knew you would understand my joke. (laughs) But Julia wasn't in anything, so I dug around a little bit just to make sure that Julia didn't die of, like, you know, she, she fell off she a horse. Was, or she was a wolf like girl. She <laughs> really took a liking to that bare rug in the living room. <laughs> uh, so I found Frank's obituary. Okay. Frank died of a stroke oh, in God. 1960. Well, juggling all this scandal. He was thought to be recovering from the initial stroke when death came. Oh, God. <laughs> These obituaries get me every time. Uh, And it says that they had four children with, or he had four children with Florence Hughes Kistler in twice married Kistler as divorced in 1929 from Florence Kistler had four children. And in 1929, he married Miss Leanna Antonides. Okay. I'm sorry. I know that's not right. He is survived by three children by his first marriage. Miss Francis something parfait. That looks weird. That's not right. Miss Julia Cole. Okay. Mrs. Florence Snyder. Okay. So I'm assuming that since 
Florence, the wife, did not get custody of the son, Mm -hmm. the firstborn, and he's not listed in the surviving relatives. He must have died. Right. Hughes did not survive. Right. But I can't find anything on that either. Um, But Julia lived on at least to 1960. Right. And she was married, obviously. Correct. So moving on from Julia, they, um, the happy couple moved full-time into Diamond Ranch. And they wanted to impress their guests because they were still very part of high society, even though they're part of a scandal at this point. Right. So from 1929 to 1930, they had two or they had large remodels done on the home, making it look more like an English Tudor home. They added a patio and they expanded the West Wing. However, they didn't really pick a good time for this because the stock stock market crashed alongside the renovations. So Frank lost millions. Oh, God. And he was forced to sell a ranch in 1937 to Lawrence Phipps Jr. Frank moved to Glenwood Springs, where he bought and operated the Hotel Colorado. Oh, cool. Just a a little bit more. Lawrence (laughs) Phipps Jr. was born into success with his father being a U.S. senator who worked for Carnegie Steel. Lawrence took over the family finances and he did it responsibly very well. He served on the board of directors for the Mountain States Telephone Company, which is now CenturyLink. Oh, hey. Crazy. <laughs> I have connections to that. I won't tell you how, because I feel like that's <laughs> too personal information, but. <laughs> She's part of the mob. Yeah. I, I can't disclose that information. Uh, he also did management of the National Western Stock Show and served in World War One and World War II. Stand-up guy. Okay. He had a passion for ranching and established the Arapaho Hunt Club. They hunted coyote instead of foxes. Mm. Um, which obviously, like hunting clubs, they usually would hunt foxes. Right. But they're out west, so. Coyote is. It's either coyotes or armadillo, and armadillo don't put up much of a hunt. Right. Lawrence requested the club headquarters headquarters to be at Diamond Ranch, and mm-hmm. Frank was like, yeah, sure, okay. So Lawrence fell in love with the land, and he immediately jumped on the opportunity to purchase it when Frank put it up for sale. So he was like, oh, sorry, bud. Hate you have to sell it. I will just take that from you. Right. Sorry that you made any bad investments and, you know, the Great Depression's happening, but this is going to be great for me. Yeah. He renamed it to Highlands Ranch. Perfect. And he lived the rest of his life there. Okay. He really did fall in love with it. He died in 1976 and the ranch passed to his estate. It seems like he didn't really have any inheritance or inheritors, though, because (laughs) the estate was sold to Marvin Davis who was head of the Highlands Ventures Corporation. Gotcha. In 1978, Highland Ventures sold the property to Mission Viejo Company, and the development began on the modern community called Highlands Ranch. Okay. Mission Viejo sold Highlands Ranch to Shea Homes in 1997, and then in, in 2010, Shea Homes gave the mansion property and funds for the renovation as well as an endowment to the Highlands Ranch Metro District. Oh, that's nice of them. Mm-hmm. The Highland 
Highlands Ranch Metro District became the new owner of the mansion in April of 2010, and they created a project timeline for the next couple of years. They started renovating the mansion in 2011, which initially cost $6 million, and then another $4 million was dedicated to an endowment fund to support future operations. Oh, okay. In 2012, the Highlands Ranch Metro District hosted the grand opening of the renovated mansion, and they invited the community to come on and enjoy this, and now you can get married there and rent it for events. Yeah, which I saw, and the pictures uh, from some of the weddings there is really pretty, so... Mm -hmm. That was the, the, that's the long history of Highlands Ranch. Changed hands a lot. Yes, a lot. I don't think it's haunted. I don't, I'm sorry, Michelle. <laughs> I don't think it's haunted. <laughs> I think that maybe the haunting was a marketing tactic to try to get maybe some more funds or some more donors, something to that effect, um, making events for the place to keep it running. Um, I don't think that it's haunted because Julia seems like she probably got married and moved away and lived a very full life. And I don't know who else could be there. Nobody really died. And Isabel, uh, while her story of her love triangle is wild, it didn't really happen at the mansion. So Mm -mm. very interesting history, though. Yeah, for real. I love how everybody that got it, like, really took care of it, too. It was like. They got it and they appreciated it. Oh, yeah. And people seem to really enjoy their time there, which Mm -hmm. I feel like would be lending to like a happy, like positive energy. energy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Good job. Good job. Uh, Next time we're going to be in Canada. We're just bopping all over the place. Yeah. We're just touring the world just willy nilly. Very select places of the world. I was thinking, I was like, you know, we really haven't gone outside of our comfort zone. I know, but it's really hard to find other places. If you have other, like, like I don't know. International. International places or, I don't know, like Asian or African, any place that we haven't really talked about or touched on, just suggest it to us because it's hard to find if you're just casually looking. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is your sage moment? My sage moment is that I survived last week. I like to apologize that we did not have a episode last week. My son is going through, I guess, the four month sleep regression or the wonder week, what have you. He's been learning a lot. So he's been a little bit of a hard person to go to sleep and stay asleep and I was losing my mind but we are I think probably past the worst of it um I say as he pops his eyes open and looks at me um but (laughs) so I'm just cue the horror music here (laughs) but I'm just proud of myself that I just made it through yeah you should say yeah good job and I'm sure (laughs) he feels much better after going through that as well he yes. made it out the other end yes and it's excited because it means he's learning new things so he's growing he is, which growing. is good. he's a little chunk and a half he is um what is your sage moment uh my sage moment is i am getting ready to go on a pretty big trip yeah we fun. are speaking of asian we're going to japan for two weeks i'm excited in March. for you yeah uh we're meeting with the group that we're going with this evening 
to kind of hammer out the details. But yeah, it's coming up quick. I feel like whenever we do trips at the beginning of the year, it always comes so quickly. Like it, I feel like it takes forever to get here. But then once you hit January, it's like, boom, it's there. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I'm going to, I'm excited to see all the pictures that you take and everything. It should be very interesting and new. I think it'll be great. It'll be a great <laughs> adventure. You have to say that you've been to Japan. I know. One more, one more place checked off the list. Perfect. We have to keep it? us posted on where exactly yeah. you guys are going to go. Not like probably until after. Yeah. Yeah. So people aren't like tracking you. <laughs> Don't stalk me. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I think that's it. That's it. We will talk to you guys next time. Yeah. Hopefully see you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. As always, we love getting suggestions from you guys. Be sure to send us your recommendations of stories to cover, locations to visit, ghost tours to go on, and all that good stuff. You can send it to hauntedorhoaxpod at gmail.com or DM us on social. Yeah, you can find all of our links to social as well as episodes and blogs on our website, hauntedorhoax.com. And if you feel like helping us out, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or just drop us a few stars on Spotify. Bye. Bye.